Duke Energy offers these three tips for understanding your bill. The first step to keeping your bill in check is understanding what's on it. Here's what to look for. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills cover 30 days, but sometimes it varies. Bills that cover more days can be higher. Look at average kilowatt hour use per day. At first glance, your bill may look higher, but if your average use is similar to the same time last year or similar to another month with extreme temperatures, it's a normal bill. If you have a smart meter, check for a daily usage analysis tool online. Smart meters collect info by the hour, so you can check for spikes in energy use to see what appliances and behaviors are increasing your bill. This public service announcement is sponsored by Duke Energy. Duke Energy presents Connecting Counties with your host, Gus Piercy. A look at the economical, social, and educational decisions being made in Hendricks and surrounding counties and how they affect one another. And now your host, Gus Piercy. My guest today is town manager for the town of Danville, Mark Morgan. How are you, Mark? I'm doing well, and yourself? I'm doing great. So tell Good, me, you're uh, a, a new town manager. You've been town manager at Danville for, what, three months. Tell us a little bit about your background, Mark. Uh, my background is I, I graduated from Danville High School, went to Hanover College. Uh, when I graduated from college, I didn't have a job yet, but I applied to be a volunteer firefighter for the town of Danville because I grew up down the street from the fire station watching the fire trucks go out and thought that was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And um, Danville didn't have a career department and uh, finally found a job with the sheriff's department uh, that same year and worked for the sheriff's department for nearly uh, 20 years, uh, three years in the jail, the rest of the time in the enforcement division. And uh, during that, I worked my way through the fire department up to the rank of chief. And when it was time for me to retire from the sheriff's department, the town was looking for a full-time chief. And in 2005, I became the town's first full-time fire chief and held that position until April of this year when I became the town manager. Fantastic. Now tell me a little bit about um, Danville. Tell me about the size and tell me, well, you've been here since April, so you probably know everything. Uh, and you've grown up in the town, so you know tons of stuff, I'm sure. So tell me a little bit about Danville. Well, Danville, uh, by last census, is a community of 9,001 people. Um, it's a small I hate using the word bedroom community, but because we're trying to change that that image. But uh, predominantly, our workforce uh, does our, live, our residents don't live. I'll get this right. Our residents don't work in this town. Uh, most of them work outside of the, the city limits of Danville. And we're trying to bring business in and, and housing in that uh, our workforce can afford and uh, stay in our, our community while they work in our community. So uh, we're trying. We've got kind of a generational gap i guess so to speak and we're trying to close that gap and it's you said nine thousand so is that a big growth is that as big a growth as some of the other towns in hendricks county oh by no means and we expect uh, we're up for a new census next year of course and we would expect that we're going to grow by a couple thousand but uh, a lot of the communities around us have have exceeded us by leaps and bounds but um 
And that's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, we we don't want to see that kind of growth right here. Uh, uh, we'd like to moderate our growth and make it uh, uh, more conducive to keeping our our charming downtown Danville while we try to grow some of the outskirts and and uh, bring business and, and economic growth to our community. So, tell me a little bit about um, the economic growth part of it. I know we're we're talking about uh, maybe some. More more houses, but what kind of businesses and 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 that airport is that airport play into it at all out there on thirty six? It does. We've recently annexed that airport, so that uh, that'll be coming on to us, and uh, uh, so we're hoping to maybe. I hate to use the word exploit, but uh, we're looking at that as hopefully a potential for uh, growth out in that area. Uh, we've already received uh, requests for one company to build out there. They, they're going to start with some storage units and then uh, expand on into, I guess, uh, uh, new business uh, type modules where there may be a uh, office up front and a small warehouse in the back uh, with, you know, a single bay door, uh, kind of for startups and things like that. Maybe satellite companies. Uh, you know, my, the first thing that comes to my mind is like a uh, a company out of Indianapolis that maybe doesn't want to uh, really embed itself into Danville. Maybe test the waters. They could come and and rent one of those facilities and see how the business grows. And if it does do well, they can you know obviously get their own brick and mortar. Sure. And uh, you know, there's a uh, some drawbacks to Danville it does it's not real close to a an, an interstate right it, the closest one is 74 that's correct that's if if we had to say that you know one of the things either that either has hampered us or hurt us is is the our proximity to an interstate it's obviously kept our growth down but uh it has kept our growth down so right. it uh, is kind but of it a is what it sword, is right i mean you can't it, change exactly it, right. right no no and uh and, you know part of our, our problem we do have obviously you know some traffic issues where it bottlenecks into um when it comes into Main Street, when 36 comes into Main Street, it becomes a traffic problem, especially during rush hour. And uh, so that that that's why people are looking more to the east side of the uh, town as opposed to anything west. Right, right. And and but there's housing out west, and that's growing. Oh, absolutely. Yep, yep. The, the, that can't hurt either, right? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. So tell me, tell me, uh, is there a, a, a median house uh, price that you guys are shooting for when you talk to the town council? What 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 do they tell you about growth? Well, that that's the the problem, and that's where we're, again my newness is still uh, we're still working on all of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I try not to use if I at all possible. I'm trying to get away from words like affordable housing. Uh, it, it gives a a connotation that that you know it's subsidized or you know it's government housing, and that's not what right. we want. And right. um, we we started using the words workforce housing so that you know we could say you know this this is our workforce, whether this is our teachers, our police officers, our firefighters, but this this is the housing we need for them this is this is their pay rate so how can we get them into to be able to live in the town of danville and that's something we're working on we're working on with some consultants to try and find what that that price range is what are the pressing issues right now in danville uh, 
pressing issues. We are looking at a water treatment, uh, new water treatment plant. We're going to probably have to explore a wastewater uh, treatment expansion. Uh, these are all things that are probably going to have to occur within, I would say, five years to meet uh, either A, uh, the demands you know, of our growth, or B, uh, new regulations by the state and federal governments. Yeah, and and uh, that and unfortunately that means you have to look at rate structures, right? Well, we're trying to maybe kind of think outside the box on that. Um, it is my goal to not to, to try not to impact our end users too much as far as rate increases. So what we're looking at now, we're trying to get ahead of this game. And we're looking at uh, our fee structures, which would include obviously our tap fees. We and so we've we've hired a consulting firm to come in and look at our tap fees. Uh, we believe that we are uh, probably 50% below what where we should be, and that you know obviously this would affect new housing, new business when they come in, and those tap fees. And it may seem a little early to start looking into those things, but the real goal here is is if we can start banking some money we may not be able to pay for our expansions outright but by having money in the bank it helps our bond rating and in turn helps our uh lower the rates for our our bonds and our and our loans and then hopefully by doing that getting that money up and in front uh again we can reduce the impact of, of trying not to um put all this burden back on our our users by rate increase when you uh, talked with the town council, what what kind of stuff are they interested in in doing more of in Danville? Well, right now, I think it's it's a true blend. I, you know, we're, we're obviously trying to get our our structure back in our government itself, uh, get everything uh, back in place that that has. I guess openings that we have, so we're trying to get all that done. Uh, of course, they realize that we've got some future issues with water and wastewater. Right. Um, we've we've got some issues where uh, we've got to start looking. Probably, I think the fire department's about to bust at the seams. Uh, they they've probably got that one building with enough personnel that uh, they're going to have to look at uh, another building and, and staffing it. But I think overall, when the, when you look at at what the council is looking looking at, um, they want to get back to where people enjoy living in Danville. Um, you know, the, I don't want to say that the town has been divided, but um, it, it's, I think we're all on the same page that uh, we want to, even though it's an overused term, get back to the transparency of our government. Uh, we want to make people like living in Danville and, and, and wanting to stay here and and possibly even invest in it and, and uh, even if it's just a small business up on the square or or if they buy a building and fix it up for someone else to rent that'd be great yeah and the uh, as far as uh, the square is concerned tell me about uh, Danville being the county seat it's going to stay that way obviously but what about the courthouse is there any talk about um, the county moving out of the courthouse or anything like that I think there was years ago. I have not heard anything recently, and I think that um, you know the the obvious choice at the time was to move it out to the old fairgrounds next to the jail. 
but I believe the sheriff now has intention to try and build a new jail uh, on that property, and therefore I think that would take the uh, ability to build a new courthouse or court system out there. It probably reduces the ability to do that, I guess I should say. I'm not saying it eliminates it. Right. Uh, so I, I, I believe that you know the county is uh, where it is. I know they've they've purchased you know a building on the west edge of the of the square to expand uh, the prosecutor's office and uh, move some offices, and then they've got uh, the old post office, which is houses probation. They bought the schools, uh, the old school on the south side of uh, town, uh, and built the government center. So I think they're working very well. I know they've done some renovations inside of the courthouse itself to make it better fit their needs and and as we want them to stay as a as a town dan but oh, to stay right absolutely yeah <laughs> I, I i do not want to see them move uh um that'd be a big building to try and figure out how to fill so. <laughs> yeah we're having trouble with the ones around it <laughs> exactly so uh no we would definitely prefer that they stay i i think we're good uh I think we're good hosts, and uh, they've been good tenants, and um, or vice versa, however you want to count it. I mean, I guess they are the county, and we're in their uh, their county, but uh, I think we're a good match. I think that uh, uh, we've always worked very well with them, and they've worked very well with us. Yeah, and and we want to keep it that way. The uh, yeah, absolutely, and just for. Um, just for full disclosure, I live in Danville, so I'm a little aware of what's going on, although I'm always learning things about Danville that I had no clue about. Uh, so um, are you aware of what other kind of responsibilities do you think are, are what's the park systems like these days? Park system is thriving. I, I, I couldn't be more pleased with our park system, and they uh, uh, they're doing some wonderful things. Of course, they've got uh, Ellis Park, they've got the uh, Blanton Woods, they've got the Blanton House, they've got the Jack Willard Community Park, and they're currently uh, working to redesign the amphitheater. Uh, I'm sure you've you've been to uh, one of our concerts in the park. Sure. Uh, it was a it was a uh, a vinyl cover for the amphitheater. It received some storm damage, and quite honestly, just wasn't wasn't really cost effective to try and repair it. And so we're now working on a more permanent uh, brick structure that we'll be able to utilize uh, for our concerts and and hopefully expand that into you know other venues that are options that we can use so that we can either have some of our movie screenings things like that and and just be a much more versatile structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there anything surprises that you learned when you got into the uh, position that uh, somebody who's grown up here and been here all your life? Is there any surprises when you got in there? As a matter of fact, there have been a few. Uh, there were things that I honestly didn't know that um, town management was involved in. So uh, uh-huh. it's, uh, it's uh, like I said, that's that's been it's some of it's been a true eye opener. I, uh, um, I. I I guess I didn't realize the depth of code enforcement that we were involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah. I've sent out a few letters about people not mowing their yards. And, and again, that's something I honestly had never thought of. So right. uh, like I said, there's been a lot of new things for me. Now, uh, as far as you were talking about restructuring the government or actually filling some, some positions that had been open, we lost a town planner as well. 
Yes, we lost. And, uh, and did they get filled? Yes, uh, uh, we hired uh, Lisa Turney. Uh, Lisa came from us or came to us from the Hendricks County Planning Department. She had 27 years of experience there, and uh, she just jumped right in. And, and she has done an exceptional job of learning our ordinances, and uh, and she's doing an outstanding job. Is there any other openings in uh, the administrative offices there? Well, we have uh, an opening for our fire chief. We have an opening for the police chief. We are interviewing. We're in the final phase of interviewing for a fire chief. And once that's completed, we will start looking at uh, some timelines for the police chief. And uh, we're restructuring some of the boards that we've had in place. And so we're take, we'll be taking application for those board members and trying to get those filled as well. Tell me when the town council meets for everybody to know. The town council meets the first and third Monday of every month, excluding holidays. Uh, so usually in January, February, it's the first Tuesday and then the third Monday. Okay. And uh, But again, it is the first and third Monday, predominantly 7 p.m. at Danville Town Hall, located at 49 North Wayne Street here in Danville. Thank you, Mark. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. joined by the new town manager in Brownsburg. His name is Jeffrey Eater. Jeff, how are you today? I'm doing wonderful today. It's a beautiful day out. Uh, the heat's giving us a little break today, so, you know, I'm doing great. Great. Congratulations on becoming the town manager in Brownsburg. And uh, let's go back and get a little bit of your background. You've actually been a town administrator, town manager in other uh, towns. Can you tell me about that? Uh, yes, I can. I'm coming here uh, from the uh, community, uh, the city of East Peoria, Illinois, where I was the city administrator for uh, a little over two years. Um, working with the town and council there. Uh, previous to that, I was the assistant city manager and community economic development director for the city of Rock Island, Illinois. Uh, I spent uh, a little over five years there. So I've, uh, and before that, I was a community development director in Franklin Park, Illinois for a little over 12 years. So I've got a significant municipal background uh, with some varied um, jobs and uh, doing that and uh, have a, a lot of managerial type uh, background along with a uh, long history of economic development. But you've also, you're originally a Hoosier. Yes, I am originally a Hoosier. I grew up in uh, Peru, Indiana. I'm a Maconaqua grad uh, from high school. Uh, I did my undergraduate work in urban planning and development at Ball State, uh, and then moved to uh, Indiana University Kokomo with their MBA program, um, and uh, started my career in Indiana with uh, working on the base closure of Grissom Air Force Base and that transition uh, before moving over to Illinois for my last 20 years. Boy, that... And that was something else, wasn't it? Grissom closing? Grissom closing was something else. Uh, great, or huge impact on the community up there between Peru and Kokomo. Um, I'm amazed at how things have changed over the years. And um, 
the how the, that's had such a lasting impact on the community. Um, not always in the the positive way. Um, what when you take you know 15 people out of the economy, it's really hurt the economy up there. So oh, yeah. uh, uh, I'm a little sad to see that, but you know I'm very happy to be you know now back here in Brownsburg and back in Indiana uh, into a community that's growing and has uh, lots of uh, potential to do uh, great things. Now tell me, I've heard, and I used to work up in Kokomo, and I heard a rumor that at Grissom, and I was there during the base closure when they decided to close. Okay. Uh, I understand that there was an Air Force One housed there. Is Do you know that's true or not? Yes, they, it was a, a stack base during the Cold War with an Air Force One housed there. Um, I was very close to it several times, but never had the opportunity to get a tour of the plane. But I do know it was there for 10 or 12 year period of time. Huh. It was one of one of them, and they stationed like four or five of them across the country. That was one of the what they call their SAC base, where they had a, an Air Force One type plane stationed. <laughs> that fascinating, isn't it? I took a ride. It is. I took a ride in a C one thirty once and had them and watched them refuel an A ten. What a great, great time. Yes, it was. I, I miss them flying overhead. Yeah, yeah, that is something else. So tell me about uh, the job there in Brownsburg. Tell me you're, you're becoming in as town manager. You've been there, what, a month? I've been here a little more a month. I started June 3rd, so uh, six weeks now uh, into the position. Um, I'm starting to learn uh, the town, um, my way around town. I'm uh, starting to learn the staff here at the town hall, um, the department heads and, and so forth. Um, I still have to be reminded of names because names don't come easy to me. Sure. But um, I'm, I'm getting used to Brownsburg. The staff is getting used to my management style, and uh, we're um, looking forward along to a long tenure. Um, I'm working. I feel like I'm working great with uh, council. Um, you know, developing that rapport. Now, um, tell me, what are the similarities between uh, East Peoria and Brownsburg, or are there? Um, similarities. Uh, they're. East Peoria was about 20,000 community, uh, right next to Peoria, which was over 100,000, so a mid-sized market. Uh, Brownsburg, you know, we're just shy of 30,000, so it's a hair larger community um, in the Indianapolis metro area, so there's more going on here. Um, council sizes were the same. I had five council members there, where I've got five council members here. But a little different form of government, uh, different responsibilities with the council. Um, I am the town format here gives my position a little more authority than what I had by charter in East Peoria, um, hmm. which is good for me. Um, and I, like I said, I've worked in a number of different uh, types of government. East Peoria used the commission form of government, so the commissioners were technically specialized in the, into a department that they kind of managed versus seeing things globally, which is what I try to do. And what I do here in Brownsburg is look at all the departments globally, um, the ones that, especially the, the, the report to me, and then the ones that are kind of an extension of the town, but not direct reports and referring to parks, which is not a direct report, but we work very, very closely together. I work very closely with the the police chief, 
um, and then even the, the fire chief um, making those direct reports because the fire department, even though it's a separate department, those are still town employees, so our personnel policy and insurances and stuff still impact the fire department as well. Uh, so there's lots of intricacies like that that I'm learning, um, learning all the town's policies and, and, and seeing how the town does does business and how we uh, process uh, paperwork and how we share information back and forth. So when you were uh, interviewing for the position, uh, what were the things that... Um excited you about coming to Brownsburg and I guess I'm asking why you came well why I came uh, a number of reasons one you had a council that seemed like they, they they can work together although they have their differences which is great and so they create some great dynamics and some great debates amongst the council members but they had accomplished uh, quite a bit already with uh, the, the downtown uh, developments that are going on that we're still, you know, trying to finish up and move to the next phase. They were undertaking big um, infrastructure projects, Green Street, some water and sewer type projects in addition to that. They were really trying to move things forward. And that really excited me um, to be part of a community that wants to to build an overall community that's growing, that's going to look at to challenge my skills in a number of different facets from economic development to people management to growth management. And I, I'm just was, and still am very excited about being here in Brownsburg and the opportunities I have to lead this community forward. What are you most and, and create this dialogue. What are you most comfortable doing? Infrastructure or um, I guess economic development type things? What, what is the most comfortable for you? Well, the most comfortable to me, I've been doing economic development for 25 years for pretty much my whole career in one form or another. So I'm very comfortable with economic development, doing business recruitment, doing downtown redevelopment, doing uh, large projects. And some of these include major infrastructure projects that I've been involved with. And then not only getting them here, but understanding the finances that it takes to, to undertake the projects. Uh, I've done a lot of public finance in my career. Um, I've done, a, like I said, a number of major infrastructure. I've been part of a, uh, a $40 million rail grade separation when I was in Franklin Park, moving a major three rail lines for a 30,000 square um, car count road and doing a grade separation project in a very difficult situation. So that taught me a lot about how to work together with other entities. So whether it's infrastructure, economic development, I see it's all part of economic development, all part of community building. Yeah, you uh, never saw Brownsburg without the new downtown project, did you? You, you You came in, it was already half built, if not all the way opened. Um, correct. In a sense, yes and no. I do. Ha- I've been through Brownsburg in the past because I actually have relatives that live in, in one that lives in Brownsburg. Um, my aunts lived long term in Avon, so I've been down through Brownsburg even before this. But it's been ten or fifteen years ago that I've really spent any time here. So it's really changed since that time frame. But yeah, coming back to interview. The downtown was under construction. Green Street was closed during the whole interview process. And it was my second week on the job. I got to cut the ribbon open Green Street and be essentially the hero. 
<laughs> That's great. That's awesome. So, uh, so, so I, I got to thank a lot of people. <laughs> I bet that's uh, that's fantastic. So, uh, have you been in a community that's growing as quickly as Brownsburg? Now we talked about. Um, I was at the last council meeting when uh, the superintendent for the schools got up and said that they're growing at 200 students a year. That's an amazing amount of growth, and that's uh, he said uh, he said. 10,000 students by 2024 have you have you dealt with that kind of uh, growth I have not been in a community that's dealt with that kind of growth um, I, when I was in the Chicago metro area I was in more of an entering suburb so it was all redevelopment and there was a lot of growth from that but it wasn't growth where we were seeing lots of new population coming in um, and then uh, Rock Island and East Peoria were not growing communities they were very stable mature communities just not growing um, where Brownsburg is growing and that's one of the things that excited me was the opportunity to work with staff and work with the community that is growing at a rapid pace um, it presents a whole set of new challenges to you um, from delivery of services whether it's water or sewer uh, making sure the roads are, are taken care of um, you got to balance your older side versus your growth side yeah, so they, the council has been looking at this summer, they've been looking uh, pretty intensely at water rates. And can you tell us yeah. a little bit about what the, what, what the dilemma is, what, the, uh, what they're trying to do with upgrading the waters? Well, and this is from a limited, sign, uh, limited amount of information that I've got on that. Sure. Um, and they've held the water rates uh, the same for a, about a 10 or 12 year period of time, if I'm recalling correctly. It's been quite some time. Uh, obviously, you've got to deal with inflation. We've got uh, costs that have increased for not only labor costs, but um, utility costs. And then I'll go the regulatory costs from the, the federal and state EPA mandates on what we have to do to monitor our water system. All those costs have increased. Um, and plus, with the growth that the town's had over the last 10 years, uh, that's one of the ways we've been able to keep water rates the same is that we're selling more water. But that's one of the big issues. We're selling more water, so we have to produce more water or procure more water. Um, so what we're doing right now is we're... Um, negotiating a new intertie with citizens to buy more water from citizens and there's a cost to do that and there's a cost to develop more wealth and so the council's looking at raising rates to cover those costs right and they're and they're looking at a bunch of different type of programs so i don't want to make sure that anybody's alarmed they're looking anywhere from possibly going 51 cents a month to you know uh, up upwards of five dollars or so so i mean it's not a huge increase they're looking at but they are trying to figure out how to how to attack the future and there might even be a new water tower in uh, in the works is that correct that is correct. Uh, as part of that intertie project in the development north, uh, calls for a new water tower within the next three to five years uh, time frame. Um, and you are correct on the rates. We are looking at a lot of different options and what that means to us from a short-term and a long-term perspective. Um, and we have to take both types of perspectives uh, into account into our system, uh, like any you good manager does but yes that uh, new water tower will look very much like the existing water towers uh, that we have in town but it'll be built in, in that 
three to five year range is most likely when it will get built. And you have to prepare for these now, right, in order to yeah. have the money to do it later, right? I mean... Yeah, we have to prepare now for, one, for the money to have the, the dollar, the capital dollars to put in place, but also um, we have to follow the growth and where our water demands are at. Um, and there are different sections of town that are easier to get water to than other sections. There's some natural barriers in Brownsburg. Um, getting water n north and south of the interstate, we have limited number of connections underneath the interstate and the way the system is designed. If I've got a bunch of water on the south side of town, it's difficult to get it into the north side of town. So we have to make provisions to move water around into the right neighborhoods so we can service all our customers. Any other? And, it's, and it's a hidden utility. Right. It's a utility that nobody really sees until it doesn't turn and doesn't come out of their faucet, right? That is correct. So the, we have to make sure that water comes out of uh, people's faucets. <laughs> yeah, and that can be a challenge. I mean, not, not that you're going to have any problems with delivery, but as the town grows, you keep you got to keep moving forward. And that's why we do these long-range plans. That's why we look at the the rates. That's why we look at these projects two, five, and even 10 years in advance. We've got plans out for the next 10 years of things we believe we have to do. And in about five years, they become uh, much clearer. Do we have to do that now? Can we put it on? Or do I have to move and do it immediately? So those sort of things. Any projects you're looking forward to that you've learned a little bit about that you're looking forward to learning more about or any other projects in the offing besides the water? projects? I mean, I know there's a um, projects, but what are you looking forward to? We've got a major project on 700 on the north side of town to rebuild 700 that has water main, sewer main in it in the next uh, two or three years that we'll be talking a lot about getting that forward. I'm lo looking forward to learning more about that project. A um, couple projects I'm looking forward to finishing up here in the next week or so um, before school starts is our two roundabout projects that we have undergoing right now. Oh yeah, um, those are those are big deals. Yes, yes. So, and, and what do you think? What? How did Illinois handle roundabouts? Were they putting them in too? Uh, I had a couple in East Peoria. Uh, they're not used nearly as much in Illinois as they are in Indiana. Illinois is behind the curve in in roundabouts. Uh, I've always liked them personally. Um, from a planning standpoint, from a traffic flow standpoint, they work well. Uh, so I tend to advocate roundabouts. Okay. And it's a, a mindset that, uh, especially this area of Indiana, there's a lot of them in the area, so people get used to using them. And that's really the key. Once people know how to use them, they're very safe. Uh, they move a lot of traffic. Uh, so they're, I think they're a very good thing. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of uh, growth happening with the schools and with the housing and everything mm -hmm. like that. It's going to be an interesting. Uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, tenure as town manager of Brownsburg, isn't it? That is true. It's going to be very interesting. You know, you speak of schools. You know, I've reached out and, and, and met with the, the superintendent Jim Snap and, and developing that relationship, working with, you know, starting the relationship with the library and other government entities. Um, yeah, I look forward to doing those things. I look forward to meeting the, the public. Um, I do practice an open door policy as much as policy and uh, want people to come and give me their opinion and give me their ideas. All right, you heard it uh, here. It, 
especially for the growth uh, side of things. You know, I'm I'm very open and want to be a uh, part of the community. Um, you know, look forward to, to meeting people at council meetings. Uh, come to the council meetings. Tell us uh, what you're thinking. Excellent. That's uh, how we move the community forward. Excellent. My guest has uh, been Jeff Eater, the new town manager in Brownsburg. My name is Gus Piercy. This has been Connecting Counties with your host, Gus Piercy, presented by Duke Energy. Duke Energy offers these three tips for understanding your bill. Change air filters on a regular basis. A dirty air filter makes an HVAC system work harder and use more energy. Set your thermostat as high as comfortable. The smaller the difference between the inside and outside temperatures, the lower your energy bill will be. Close blinds and curtains on sunny days. This public service announcement is sponsored by Duke Energy.